Welcome to the IASA Podcast Network. I am Rich Boltz, Associate Director of the Illinois Association of School Administrators. Today, our guest is Dr. Julie Schmidt, Superintendent, Kildare District Number 96 in Buffalo Grove. The topic of this podcast is quality framework for Illinois school districts. We shared this IASA podcast on Twitter, Facebook, our own website, and in our IASA app. You can also find the IASA podcast by subscribing to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other places where you can listen to podcasts. Well, good morning, Dr. Schmidt. Please tell our viewers about yourself and your school district. Good morning. Um, I am fortunate to be the superintendent of District 96, Kildare Countryside. We are up in Lake County, the northern part of the state. We are a school district of a little over 3,400 kids with seven schools, early childhood through grade eight. A hundred percent of our kids matriculate and attend Adelaide Stevenson High School in Lincolnshire. Uh, we are a school district that has been doing professional learning communities work um, now going into our 18th year. That work is very deeply embedded into our system. Um, but we also are um, extremely committed to a continuous cycle of improvement and work each and every year to identify our areas of vulnerability related to student learning so that um, each and every year we can get a little bit better at what we do. So I'm happy to be here. ISA selected you to serve on the Illinois Balanced Accountability Measure Committee. Please tell us about your role on this committee and maybe some highlights from your service on the committee. Sure. Serving uh, on the IBAM committee, uh, it it uh, was uh, something that occurred as a result of participating as a Lake County representative on the Vision 2020 um, committee. Um, and when I was asked to serve on the Illinois Balanced Accountability uh, Measure Committee, it was honestly has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my career. It afforded me the opportunity to really dig deeply into a topic and really uh, understand at a deep level what the needs of all schools and school districts across the state of Illinois were. Um, I represented obviously Lake County, um, schools and districts that were similar to mine, but to really have the opportunity to learn and grow from each other so that we were able to develop recommendations that would be good for all schools, no matter rural, um, suburban, um, urban, small, large, um, secondary, elementary, was really a, a very enriching um, experience. So we were able to learn from each other, but also do some really deep work around um, research-based best practices and school improvement, um, and to put together a recommendation that we felt really allowed school districts in Illinois to tell their own story based on their own community's priorities. As I understand your involvement with the IBAM committee and subsequently with the state of Illinois ESSA plan, you volunteered your district to participate in a pilot program for implementing the quality frameworks. Please tell us about this work. Sure. I really felt that as a member of that initial committee, it was really a professional obligation to uh, really um, apply the quality framework to a school or district and provide some feedback about um, its usefulness, about that process uh, before full implementation. Um, and it was uh, a, a, an extraordinary experience um, with the development of the quality framework. Lori James Gross really took the lead on the research, looking at uh, states across the country who had implemented 
um, a rubric very similar. So we did volunteer to take the quality framework and apply it to the work that was being done um, locally here in District 96. So how have you used the frameworks to drive either district or school improvement in your own school district? So the way we chose to approach um, the pilot and the work was we put together a group of people representing uh, principal, the uh, curriculum office, myself, uh, business office folks, facilities, and, and we met by standards. So we structured our meetings. We had two rounds of meetings. In the first round, we were focusing strictly on understanding each standard. And what we did was we downloaded the entire quality framework into Google Docs. And once in Google Docs, I created a, a column on the far right-hand side um, entitled it Evidence or Data. And so we structured our meetings by standard to make sure that we had all of the correct people in the room. And we went through each indicator um, in each standard. And our first job was to look at each of the levels of performance and to determine what policies, procedures, practices, what artifacts we could produce and plop links, um, copies, whatever it may be, into that evidence category. So it was brainstorming all of the evidence that we believe existed in the system that would eventually demonstrate exactly what level of performance we were at on all of the indicators in each standard. So for instance, we may, uh, and we would divide up those responsibilities. So somebody may take responsibility for board of education policy or things that were in our handbook. Someone else might take responsibility for agendas and minutes that would demonstrate um, where we were in some of this work. Um, our interview process, perhaps our goal setting process. So what evidence did we have available in the system that would then ultimately help us determine what level of performance we really truly believed we were at. So that was the first round of meetings. And so everyone took away from that meeting their assignments related to providing evidence. And we did that by standard. The second round of meetings uh, happened after the evidence was collected and inserted um, into the document or copies were provided. Then we came back together by standard to make sure all of the correct people were in the room. And we reviewed all of the evidence that was available to us, all of the evidence or data that we could think of that would help us determine what our current reality was. After reviewing all that evidence, only then did we actually complete the self-assessment and give ourselves a rating in each of the indicator areas. Yeah, what I really like about the way you use the frameworks is this concentration on providing evidence to support the conclusions that your district staff was making. And uh, your previous answer to this question really points to the fact that evidence needs to support whatever your findings are. Right. Because we were having initially a lot of conversations about, well, I feel like we do this really well. Well, I feel like we provide lots of opportunities for the community and parents. Well, I feel like we, we do a lot of this. And, and what we wanted to make sure is that when we were actually um, engaging in the self-assessment part of the process, that we were really basing that on data and evidence um, and, and not just our own perceptions, or our own feelings about what we thought we had in place. So we felt like that was that would result in the most accurate self-assessment. 
So the quality frameworks have seven standards. Which standards did your district determine that would require further analysis? Well, there were two of them. We had been working um, extremely hard for several years on um, continued improvement and, and had pages of, of evidence around that. But the two standards that we needed to dig more deeply into as a result of us not being highly comfortable with the evidence we were able to provide were standards three, uh, shared leadership, and standard six, family and community engagement. So for instance, indicator D under shared leadership standard three is that students actively participate in leadership opportunities that develop self-direction and a sense of responsibility for improving self, school, and community. And while we felt like we did a good job of that, when it came time to, to point to structures and opportunities and evidence, we were able to provide evidence around very formal opportunities like student council and principals advisory committee and, and the student values activities that we provide for students. But what we were unable to do when you look at distinguishing emerging versus accomplishing and exemplary is, is in order to be exemplary, you have to have evidence that suggests virtually all of your students frequently participate in age-appropriate leadership opportunities. And we were not there. And so while we were able to point to some real formal opportunities for some kids, we were uncomfortable that we weren't able to articulate and provide evidence about formal and informal opportunities in and outside of the classroom for students to develop as leaders as early as kindergarten. Um, so, so we uh, eventually in our goal setting process, um, and actually this coming Tuesday, the Board of Education will adopt and approve these goals. One of the things that you will find is each and every school in their own school level goal setting, they're setting goals around expanding student leadership opportunities in and outside the classroom in informal and formal ways. And in addition to that, documenting or memorializing what it is specifically that is happening during instruction, during student engagement structures, in and out of the classroom that are providing students the opportunity um, to develop self-direction and a sense of responsibility for improving their self-school and community. So, so we chose to really formalize collecting data on that and being very mindful of expanding those opportunities for all kids. That second standard was family and community engagement. And while we felt like we were communicating well with families, um, we found that there were several areas that we um, needed to improve in, including in engaging in regular communication to provide mutual supports and guidance between home and school for all aspects of student learning. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were implementing, implementing communication protocols uh, very consistently, but also in a way that all of our stakeholders um, could understand, made clear, made sure that we were going above and beyond related to how we were communicating. So that includes newcomers to our area, newcomers to the, to the country. What were we providing to them? So um, that was one of the areas. The other also was the district and school leveraging existing resources to providing a, a coordinated system of support for the whole child. So we um, also, um, you will see in our district level goals, a goal around um, expanding uh, those parent opportunities through some focus group opportunities. Each of the schools will also be setting goals uh, with me around expanding that two-way dialogue with uh, their parent community right from the beginning of the school year. Um, and we also um, actually added a position in our district that is titled uh, Parent Liaison. 
Um, and that uh, person in our system is focusing very specifically on communicating with all of our stakeholders in various ways, including translation, including um, multiple newcomer opportunities throughout the school year, including uh, working on a system to pair brand new parents with mentors in the system. So that too is the second area that emerged as the district-wide goal for us that we're really going to focus on this year. And it was because we were not comfortable with the evidence or the data that we were able to provide related to our current reality. So the new state accountability system is moving to this concept of student growth versus student proficiency. How do you see that changing the new school designation system and how it's affecting your district? So I think that one of the things that when, when the committee was uh, doing you know, our work and we were looking at the requirement you know, to include student achievement and, and looking at proficiency versus growth. Personally, in District 96, we've always been very focused on student growth. We really believe that if students grow, proficiency will come. But what we also realize is that even though overall we, the last several years, have been considered a pretty high-achieving district, that doesn't mean that all of our subgroups of kids um, are where we want them to be um, as far as hitting uh, readiness and proficiency. So what we realized is that if you're ever going to close the gaps for all of those kids in all those subgroups, it's not enough for them to meet their growth targets, their predicted growth targets. In order to close the gaps, those kids really have to exceed their growth targets. But when you look at the formula for accountability under the achievement piece, 75% of that designation is based on student growth. So while, uh, while proficiency ultimately is our goal, we now get credit for students growing from year to year in a significant way. So for your most at-risk populations like special education, your second language learners, uh, low-income students, if you focus on growth and you begin to set goals around students exceeding their growth targets, then proficiency will come. But we now, 75% of that piece is now based on that growth and we now will be recognized and get credit for students growing even when they haven't yet reached proficiency. And that is significant. When you have kids who are growing a year and a half, two years in one year's time and making progress towards um, closing the gap, that is high quality research-based work that's happening at the local level. So I think it is, is gonna change significantly the way we look at accountability and how we dig into our data in order to ensure we're using best practices with all of our most at-risk students. Well, now that the state has released to individual schools, whether they have any, the school itself or whether a subgroup in the lowest performing or underperforming designation, those districts are going to be um, either required or advised to use the quality framework. So how would you recommend superintendents work with the quality frameworks rubric? Well, I think that historically, one of the things that was missing in the school improvement process was when schools were identified, what was missing is some real research-based support on really digging in to figure out where the barriers to improvement exist. So what are our barriers to improving? What are the things that are standing in our way? So I really, when dealing with the quality framework, I really do recommend a three-step process. And, and the first step in that is 
looking at each of the standards and each of the indicators. And I really recommend that work being driven by the purpose setting questions that that um, appear at the very beginning of each standard section because they help, I think, drive a level of specificity. But the first step is collecting artifacts and evidence and data um, that align with each of those indicators um, that show that eventually will show really what your current reality is. Then the second step is then once you examine the evidence that you have available in the system, then completing the self-assessment related to what your current reality is, then identifying areas of vulnerability or areas that you believe will be most significant in making improvements um, in your uh, most uh, needy subgroups. And then the third step is using um, the results of that self-assessment to drive goal setting in order to approve, improve outcomes for those kids. So as a member of the ISA Board of Directors, you know that we are going around the state and offering a dashboard uh, workshop and also an ESSA Academy to all Illinois superintendents, and we're doing this in every region of the state. So how would you vision school districts using this new dashboard and ESSA information? So I think that we've tried really hard to frame um, to, to frame all of this work under the umbrella of, of each local school and district needs to be able to tell their own story. And the dashboard that's being made available to schools and districts allows you to choose your indicators. It allows you to identify those indicators that are most important to your community and then to monitor your progress related to improvement on those specific indicators. So it allows you to highlight the things that are most important to you locally. So for instance, I know that for us, while proficiency is really important, we will certainly be highlighting on our dashboard growth. The percentage of kids who met or exceeded their growth targets is a really important piece of data for us. And I think really important to our community. So I think that, that it's a missed opportunity um, if you don't take advantage of the use of the dashboard to customize it, to share with your community your very hard work and your successes in the areas that are most important to you. What final words of wisdom do you have for superintendents rega regarding the quality frameworks? Well, I think that that the the first um, the first thing I would say is that we really are at a at a crossroads um, with accountability and the way we choose to look at accountability. Um, we have a great opportunity um, to dig deeper into our data and really start to make some progress re related to closing the gaps for um, our most at-risk kids. And we have the opportunity to highlight and focus on student growth versus a standalone proficiency or achievement score. And so, so my hope is that, that we're focused on, on really digging in and eliminating the barriers to doing that and figuring out what it is that we need to do. Um, and the other piece is um, the quality framework is a research-based framework. Um, all of the indicators included, all the standards and indicators included in the quality framework have, have really been proven uh, through research and data that if they are done well, they will result in improved outcomes, uh, learning outcomes for kids. So trust the framework that it is research-based. And, and if you can move some of those uh, indicators to accomplish an exemplary, um, and you do it in a in a 
uh, very thoughtful way that results will improve. Um, so, so I think that that's just the piece regarding the framework that I'm hoping that people will be mindful of is it really is an opportunity to frame a new local conversation um, around all the hard work that is happening and to really shift that focus to um, all the growth that our kids are making versus uh, one score, one standalone score at one point in time. So I guess that is um, kind of what I would end with and encourage everyone to seize that opportunity to kind of reframe the conversation locally. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Schmidt, for sharing your wisdom in regard to the quality frameworks for Illinois superintendents to use that for school improvement purposes. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much, Rich, for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.